0: Hi, everyone. We are back for another episode of the Hauenstein Center's podcast series off the stage. My name is Maddie Miller. I'm the media specialist for the Hauenstein Center. And today I get to sit down and talk with housing policy expert Shane Phillips, who is the author of the book, The Affordable City. Shane, thank you for flying all the way to Grand Rapids to be with us.
1: Thank you for having me. It was not just a flight, unfortunately. Yeah, I yeah. forgot about that. Maybe we can get to that.
0: Yes. Yeah. No, I I feel so bad. For those of you listening, Shane had to drive from Detroit to Grand Rapids. That was not easy. You got in at what time?
1: Uh, I entered my hotel room at 3.41 a.m. Oh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And you were
0: originally supposed to get in around. 10? I was supposed to land or? at 11 in okay. Grand Rapids, yeah that's that's no easy feat so thank you again for <laughs> doing Happy that to be here. yes um so shane like i said is in from california to be on our panel um at our event tonight which is called housing solutions what's next it's going to be a great event and if you want to check out that event you can go to gvsu.edu slash hc housing you'll get to see a full recap of the event including photos some podcast episodes some articles and the full event video but to start this podcast out today is how I like to start all of our podcasts, which is with our famous BOQ. So for those of you listening, these are questions that were submitted via social media and Shane is going to pick um, two at random two answers. So let's, let's hear the first question um, from our picking BOQ. Out
1: yes. If you had to hide a giraffe from the government, where would you put it?
0: that's funny you actually are getting this question because we actually talked about this in our office a few weeks ago after that was submitted so uh
1: i mean this is a very different answer if it has to be alive
0: okay it it, it does in fact have to be alive i think that's that's the
1: point okay um well i don't i don't have a a, this is this is too random um (laughs) i mean like first thing i thought it was like an empty grain silo or something, maybe because I yeah. drove across Michigan <laughs> last yeah. night. So
0: you know uh, that that's what we got here. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, I think so. It was dark, yeah. but yeah, I, 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 that's what I recall. Maybe lay it down somewhere, okay. but I don't think the giraffe would be cool with that. Yeah, would probably start making noise. For sure. Uh, there's also a depends lot of How factors. long you need to hide it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a I'm lot of questions. I'm more interested factors. in the, the follow up questions than the answer to this question. Yeah.
0: I. I we also <laughs> had a lot of follow up questions like, is the government like really trying to seek it out? Like, how? What does it want What did from it this do? Giraffe? Yeah. What did the draft do? Is it carrying
1: a disease?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting question, but those are good follow up questions. <laughs> um, all right. Let's have you do one more BOQ question.
1: What's your favorite kind of sandwich?
0: Ooh. Are you a sandwich mm. person?
1: Not really. This is, uh, Kayler was saying how I, we should talk about my diet. And yes. I don't really, I don't oh, really so it's almost that. like I planted. But part of my diet does involve uh, cutting out a lot of carbs wherever possible. So I almost okay. never have bread Sandwiches. anymore. Um, is a burger a sandwich? Because I do like a burger. Interesting. I know these debates are always yeah. happening about like, is a hot dog a taco? That kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just going to assume it is and say, I, I like is. a burger.
0: Yeah. So wait, you don't eat any carbs at all or no, just I the have, occasional? I, have plenty of carbs. Okay. I mean, I have a
1: burger. That's, that has yeah, carbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just sure. try to minimize them.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, good. Great. That's a great <laughs> question. Do you have a favorite burger place or like a best burger you've ever had in mm. your whole life?
1: I have no answer for best burger I've ever had. Yeah, that's a but, hard one. Um, and I don't get them very often. This is not at all the best, but a place i just I do really like is just Shake Shack. Yeah, I like their Yum. Smoke Shack burger, the one with the peppers on it. Yeah, it's pretty good peppers and bacon, I think.
0: Yeah, I,
1: um, I like the Smash Burger style.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I had never been to a Shake Shack before. We don't have one here in Grand Rapids, but I went to Chicago and they <laughs> had one, and I actually had their chicken sandwich from the hot ones they were doing oh, like yeah. a collab and that was really good so i think Shake it only shop, came good.
1: to la like five years ago as well yeah okay it's, yeah spreading around yes
0: yes yes well thank you for answering those really insightful <laughs> questions um and now we're going to transition to some questions that i came up with just based off of um my research on you um i you know Stocked you on LinkedIn and whatnot. Um, so let's just start at the beginning. Can you share with us where you grew up, um, what you like to do for fun growing up, what you were kind of like um, in your teenage years, in your high school years?
1: Mm-hmm. So I grew up in Washington State, lived quite a few places there, um, what, Redmond, Bellingham, which is right up at the border with Canada, mm-hmm. Everett, Mill Creek, um Two or three other places I'm forgetting, and I also went to my grandparents every other weekend okay. in Marysville. And so I lived all over the place. Yeah. And in terms of what I like to do, definitely a nerdy kid. Uh, love to play video games. I remember Sim City was probably my favorite game, which was like <laughs> foreshadowing can... for sure. Yeah. Uh, other than that, though, I played like a lot of outdoor stuff too. Mm-hmm. Played especially with at my grandparents house we had a group of friends where we like play uh baseball in the street and football and stuff and then ride bikes like 10 miles da- into town and that kind of thing when you're like nine years old which is just yeah. something that people aren't allowed to do anymore um <laughs> played soccer that kind of thing and yeah my hobbies have changed a little bit I'm much more of like a reader now unless less okay. of a gamer but uh yeah that's some of what I did
0: yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I saw from your LinkedIn that you went to the University of Washington. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about how you decided to attend college, how you chose that specific college, and how you chose your major.
1: So this is a uh, very long story, actually, but I'll try to make it as short as possible. Yeah. I I was like a smart kid in high school and, and earlier, but my parents moved after my sophomore year, so it would have been starting my junior year, they moved. I basically decided I was not going to move with them. Uh, It wasn't far away. They were like 30 miles, so I could still drive there and stuff. But I was working in a restaurant. I was still going to school. I was living in my friend's basement for like six months. And so junior year, that was actually also the year where I was doing community college instead of high school, which is like a fairly common thing for for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, for
1: sure. But... Because of all this stuff happening in my life, I just did terrible, and I failed a ton of classes, and I just did bad for two straight years, failing a bunch, getting C's and D's in other classes. The the senior year, I was just writing my counselor's high school counselor's signature, like forging it to approve oh my. my schedule, uh, and no one noticed or cared yeah. apparently. So, long story short, like, I did not graduate high school, did not get an associate's degree. Mm. Was in community college for, like, a year half a year after I would have graduated high school, and then it was just done. Yeah. So, I gave up on it for a while. I just didn't know what I was doing there. And then I worked. I'd been working for at Public Works, doing some random, boring job. But then I got a job at UPS, loading boxes, unloading boxes, sorting them. Worked there for, like, almost three years. Was a supervisor for the last year and a half a very interesting place where almost everyone is part-time for the first several years they work there, and yeah. I was part-time the whole time. So even as a supervisor, I was part-time, huh. and the job was from, like, 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. every night on weekdays. So did that for a while, knew I didn't want to do that as, like, a career, so I just left and got a job as a cable installer at Comcast for another year and a half, did that for a while, learned some stuff that has been now useful for, like, home DIY yeah, as an adult. Yeah, for sure. But... Anyway, like still didn't know what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. somehow, not exactly sure how I came to this conclusion, decided I wanted to be a doctor and went back to community college first because I had no GED, no diploma, no anything, but you can just go to community college. And get an associate's degree with none of that stuff. So
0: Wow, I didn't know that, that you could go to community college without a GED. I thought that was required.
1: You do have to pass some really basic tests just Test. to like qualify okay. you into English one oh one or English ninety eight and math yeah. of some kind okay. or another. Makes so sense. You can't just like take go, whatever you want. Yeah. But yeah, so that was the that was the plan and I did well oh. there once I had an actual reason to be going and a goal yeah, so that was yeah that that made a big difference did really well there transferred to university of washington and you asked like why i decided there yeah i grew up in washington state it's the best school in the state yeah i did well in associates program and you're pretty much guaranteed as a transfer student to get into at least a washington state college yeah. and there's only a few of them and i felt like i was you know qualified enough to get there so i i, I was fortunate because I didn't apply anywhere else. Yeah, um, but they did accept me, and I did my degree in in biochemistry there, just as like you know a way to sort of meet the medical school prerequisites and yeah. get the education I needed to take the MCAT.
0: Okay, cool. So I feel like the next natural question is you have a major in biochemistry, but then you got your, I saw that you have your master's in urban planning and public administration. Those two Mm -hmm. don't really go together like whatsoever. So what made you make that switch and why? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was working, so I took the MCAT, which is the medical college admissions test, like the GRE for, for medical school Yeah. in, I think the end of junior year, that was a whole interesting thing, too, where I did most of my studying in the midst of a medical uh, clinical trial that I was paid for just to, like, make some money. Yeah. Um, but I was, like, locked in this facility for two weeks straight and couldn't leave. So it was a great study environment. Yeah. Other than the fact that I was surrounded by mostly ex-felons. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait, the ex-felons were the other participants? The other, <laughs> I thought there
1: would be more people like me at the yeah. clinical trial. It was really all people who had yeah. really no... Prospects for other employment. Yeah,
0: can I ask what the clinical trial was for?
1: It was for a like cancer drug, okay. and it was just for healthy people. So it okay. was testing side effects, like yeah. how does it affect your heart rate, activity, yeah. and, okay, um, other other things that come out of you. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, it wasn't too bad, it okay. went, but it was it was very boring. Yeah. But anyway, took the MCAT and did really well, like really really well, but. And I was applying to medical schools, working in a tuberculosis research lab on mm-hmm. campus, like mm-hmm. as my actual job after college, okay. but really struggling to get um, even interviews, much less accepted mm-hmm. because even though I had like the 99th percentile MCAT and like a 3.7 GPA after coming back to college, I had all those failures from when I was like 16 and 17. So my yeah. overall GPA was like a 3.0 or lower, which yeah. is not very competitive. And a lot of places were just screening me out. Yeah, And on the one hand, like that sucks. It's stupid. It shouldn't work that way. They should look at the more recent grades. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I realized at a certain point that I was spending my lunch break reading Seattle transit blog and stuff like that. And that was clearly what I was more interested in. And if not for the fact that I was just not getting interviewed at and into the schools I wanted to go to, I probably would have just become a doctor.
0: Yeah.
1: But, I am actually very glad, in yeah. retrospect, that that's not what I ended up doing. Every time I go to a hospital nowadays, I <laughs> I feel very good about the decision. Yeah, I made. but that was sure. really that was really it. It was I just yeah. didn't want to keep applying and or like settle and go to a place that I didn't really want to live. And that also comes back to the urban planning and transportation and housing. It was very important to me, even applying to medical schools, that I live somewhere that I could, you know, bike and walk around to take transit and have like dense community to live mm-hmm. in and not just be in the suburbs. And it happens that most of the places with medical schools that look like that are also very good schools and hard mm-hmm. to get into. So it just kind of showed me that, you know, this is... If I'm more interested in, like, the place I live than going to medical school, maybe cities are what really interests me. Yeah. And so that just motivated me to take the GRE, apply to some grad schools, and I ended up at USC just because they gave me a scholarship, basically.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's such a cool thing to hear that, like, I always love hearing people's stories that, like, hey, just because I majored in this in college doesn't mean that that's necessarily where I ended up in my career. Mm -hmm. So I love hearing those stories. I mean,
1: and I think, I don't know if this is true, if I'm just making up a story about myself, (laughs) but biochemistry is all about systems and how things interact and different cycles in the body and how, you know, the the byproduct of one cycle becomes the input for another. And I feel like there's something there in housing in particular, just how interconnected everything is and how, you know, if for anyone who's read my book or or my writing, I'm constantly trying to draw these connections between different kinds of policies and goals. And so I think it maybe trained my brain for that a little bit in a way that a more traditional, you know, public policy education might not have.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. That's such a cool connection to hear. Um, So like I mentioned, you are a housing policy expert. So I personally have lived in the Midwest my entire life, and that is kind of the demographic of the listeners of this podcast as well. So I'm curious to know, you being from L.A., if there's any fun facts, I guess, about housing policy, transportation, economic development, you know, anything in your world, I guess, that particularly pertains to LA or California that might shock us here in the Midwest or be really different for us? Anything Um, right off the brain, I guess?
1: Yeah should have given me this one in advance. I'm terrible okay. at, like, give me your... You can just ask, like, this with the giraffe question. I'm, I'm bad <laughs> at off-the-cuff questions I haven't thought of. Uh, at least not in my domain of for expertise.
0: For sure, for sure. But
1: let's see. This is, like, not that interesting, but I think it is surprising to people. It's actually surprising even to people in Los Angeles. Okay. Just I'm ready. The, the number of places in Los Angeles that people think are something other than Los Angeles. So Mm -hmm. Venice is city of Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, Hollywood is city of Los Angeles. Beverly Hills is not city of Los Angeles. Okay. West Hollywood is not city of Los Angeles. North Hollywood is city of Los Angeles.
0: Interesting. Um, So there's,
1: there's a lot of like, it's just a wacky shaped city. I Uh I recommend everyone uh, look up online, just like city of Los Angeles boundaries. Okay. And it's, this whole mid area, yes. the central area that people probably know better. There's the valley, which is like half of the geographic area of the city. Mm-hmm. And then there's this shoestring thing that stretches down. It's literally like a couple blocks wide. Yeah. But it goes miles south of the city all the way down to the port and captures some of the neighborhood there. Weird. Just so the city can have like ownership of one, one of the two ports that are right there. Yeah. It's the port of LA, Port of Long Beach. So, I don't know. That's like a random fact Yeah. That's interesting No, that is really <laughs> interesting.
0: Okay, everyone go look up. I'm going to, after this, look up a, a map and be intrigued. There are also
1: 88 cities in LA County, which has a population of 10 million. Wow. So that's always surprising to people. It makes it very hard to govern because yeah. everyone's just kind of doing their own thing.
0: Yeah. Just a little bit bigger than Grand Rapids. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I did some digging on your blog, which you have a blog called Better Institutions first question about that is, do you still, I think I saw the last article was like July 2022. Any thoughts on bringing that back? Or is it kind of just sitting for now?
1: It's, it's mostly sitting for now, in Mm -hmm. part, just because I've got a A, too many things going on elsewhere. Of
0: course. But
1: (laughs) I've been able to sort of incorporate more of my interests and the stuff I would just blog about on the side into my day to day work. Yeah, and so that's awesome. I think that's you know the ideal, right?
0: For sure, for sure. So the digging on your blog that I found was that your website claims that you have been car free for over a decade. I heard you say something earlier that I know that you're not car free anymore. Yeah. But what like tell me about when you first decided to go car free? How you kind of worked that into your everyday life, and then what happened? Why you have a car now?
1: Yeah, shamefully, I bought a car, <laughs> um, well, I bought a used car in July of last year and then a new electric vehicle a month ago. Okay. But the reason I went car-free was, I think, the reason a lot of people do this kind of thing mm-hmm. is my old car died and I was actually just about to move to Seattle for the University of Washington to go mm-hmm. to transfer there and take classes and so I figured, you know, I was going to be busy with school. I wasn't going to be working at all or all that much, at least the first year. And so, like, what did I need a car for? It was just going to be an extra expense. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't afford to fix the car I had anyway. It was, like, totally dead. So what I've actually noticed and found, and I think there's lots of research that backs this up, is people change their habits, you know, transportation and otherwise, in when big life changes occur, and it's partly because that's the only time where they're really open to major life changes and, and they're broken out of their habits. And so if you're just used to driving everywhere every day, you don't really even consider that something might be an alternative. But if your car just died and you're moving to a different city and your life is going to be very different suddenly you have more of an open mind to, well, maybe I could just walk most places and take transit, take the taxi if I really need to, or rent a car or whatever. And so that was the start of it. And it was really, really important, actually, because I think I can at least partially credit that with why I became an urban planner and focused on housing. Just this idea that I grew up in Washington state and I would go to Seattle very rarely with my parents and then on my own as a, as a young adult. And I always hated it, especially as a young adult driving there myself. Mm -hmm. And when I moved there, I kind of expected not to love it, Mm -hmm. but just, you know, I had to go, but I moved there without a car and it turned out I really liked Seattle. And Mm -hmm. it made me realize that everything I hated about Seattle was, car related. It was the traffic. It was the hills. It was the parking. Yeah. It was just the cost of all of those things. And as soon as the car wasn't a part of my life and I could get around other by other means and most of what I needed was in really walking distance, mm-hmm. I realized how great a city it was. Yeah. And so it really changed my perspective. Um, and, and I lived that way for a long time. I probably that was in uh, 2007 or so, and then I just bought a car in 2022. So about 15 years, yeah. I went without a car my entire time in LA included. And you just kind of you know you you adjust your life around it. Like I always tried to live near where I worked. I worked mm-hmm. in pretty central locations, and the reason I ended up buying a car is like multiple multiple things going on. Again, it was like a life change. Yeah, where. I broke up with my long-term girlfriend, and I had been kind of got used to using her car occasionally yeah, when yeah. I really needed it. And uh, and a lot of my friends sort of dispersed, mm-hmm. and it just was harder to get around and see them as often. So I bought a car from a friend just to use one for a bit, but I'd also just had solar panels installed in my house, so I have like free electricity at this point. Yeah. And all the tax credits and everything, I was like, I really should just get uh, an electric electric. vehicle. And so finally, uh, pulled the trigger last, last month and got a, a nice, uh, Nissan Leaf SV plus. Wow.
0: That's so fancy. That's really cool. That is such a cool story to hear. I've like, I have a friend that's living in Chicago right now that like doesn't have a car. And like at first when I hear that, I'm like, what do you mean you don't have a car? But I think for bigger cities, it really, Mm -hmm. really does make sense. Grand Rapids is It's a little, you know, it's not it's not as good um, as far as public transportation goes. I do live really close to here, so it is walkable for me. But not everybody lives this close, and yeah, it's it
1: it is a challenge where, you know, almost everyone else has a car. Yeah, LA is an interesting. So Chicago, it's really easy to live without a car, frankly. Yeah, but Los Angeles, it it varies. You can. You can structure your life in a way where it's not that big a deal. Mm -hmm. And now that there are things like Uber and Lyft, uh, you know, it was much harder when taxis were the only thing because they were super unreliable. They were Mm -hmm. very expensive. Um, But it's yeah. Los Angeles still, it it is a struggle and there's just lots of places you can't get easily. And so Mm -hmm. again, that's goes back to you. You just design your life around that. There's just certain places you're not really going to go. But in places like Los Angeles, people just have an expectation that you should be able to get anywhere at any time, yeah. even if it's going to take an hour and a half because of traffic, yeah. just getting from one end of the city to the other. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I just abandoned that way of, of, of living for a while. And yeah, now now I'm stuck in traffic more. It's not, yeah. <laughs> it's, not it's not all all roses here. Oh,
0: no, for sure. For sure. Well, that's really cool. Um, so my next question is, you've had a lot of different experiences in your career um, since, you know, graduating and whatnot. Um, When you think about your career so far, what is a project or something you've gotten to work on that um, you're really proud of the impact that it's made?
1: I mean, the biggest thing would almost certainly be the book itself. Um, You know, these kinds of books don't sell hundreds of thousands of copies or anything, but it has sold a lot more than books of this type typically do. And not in a way that's like made me money, but it's getting to the right people, which is yeah, really what matters to me. It's getting sure. to people who, you know, mm-hmm. work in uh, elected office themselves or for an elected official, mm-hmm. for city planners, for advocates of various kinds, people who work in the, the housing industry or in policy. So it's, it's had a, a really positive impact. And I'm shocked by how many people I hear who reach out to me who are just like, you know, this helped me think about this in a different way. Or, mm-hmm. you know, in the book, I'm trying to make this argument that we need to build a lot of housing, but we also need strong tenant protections and we need to be spending a lot of public money on things like rent assistance and subsidized development. And it's interesting because in my heart, I believe that building a lot of housing is the most important thing we can do mm-hmm. and sort of a prerequisite to succeed on all of our other goals. If we don't have that, everything else is going to be really difficult, if not impossible. But it seems like the most effective thing I've done is to convince a lot of people who already agreed with that to support stronger tenant protections, which I'm also very proud of. It's just, I think not what I expected to come out of it. Mm-hmm. The one other thing I'll say is sort of related, but it is actually at my job at yeah. UCLA at the Lewis center is our podcast. The, it's called UCLA housing voice. And we've done 45 episodes. Each is about an hour long. It's an interview with a a researcher Mm -hmm. on just a subject that they have published a report or a journal article or a book on. And it's interestingly, it's sort of like a compliment to my book unintentionally, where my Mm -hmm. book is, you know, 250 pages. It's like 50 recommendations. So each of them is very brief, several pages worth of detail the podcast, we're digging into a single issue usually for an hour and really talking about like, what is the, this, you know, new research say, what does it mean? Mm -hmm. What do we do with it? And like trying to, just as the book is trying to really make it, um, accessible to people who are not academics, who don't spend all of their time thinking about housing, but do care about, you know, what's going on with the housing market and what we can actually do to improve it.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I, um saw that you have a podcast and we were talking a little bit about that too. That's really cool. Is your podcast like Spotify, Apple Podcasts? Like where yeah, can people yeah, find it's it? it's everywhere. Okay, yeah. perfect. Well, I'll link that in our description below so that people can easily find it. But it sounds like a great one for, especially for people who are really interested in this topic. Absolutely. Um, so this is a question that I used to actually end all of our podcasts. So this will be the last question. And it is just what um, would be your advice to somebody wanting to go down a similar career path similar to your own? Um, whether it's just like navigating a bunch of changes or specifically in housing policy?
1: So, I mean, this is always really a hard question to answer, even though it's, of course, really important. But, you know, I guess based on my experience, I think keeping an open mind and just kind of continuing to keep your eyes open to different opportunities. This was a struggle for me, you know, having not graduated high school, really having no direction for a while Mm -hmm. after growing up feeling like, well, I'm just like guaranteed to be successful and ending up in a place where I just do not feel like that was inevitable anymore. And so I, I was really, you know, I spent years not really knowing what I wanted to do and continually looking out for different things and, and not really coming across much. And, and part of, I think, why I got to this point was, you know, I left UPS rather than just sticking there and continu- continuing to look for new things. Mm-hmm. I left Comcast, you know, well, I, I, to go to school. So by that point, I, I had an idea of what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But it was really just not letting myself get stuck in one place if it wasn't where I wanted to be. Yeah. and even if it was, you know, even if the thing that I was going to was also not exactly where I wanted to be, if it was Mm -hmm. a new experience, if I was going to learn something different from it, if it was going to put me in a different position one way or another, I did it. And I think that, um, that has helped me a great deal. And also just frankly made me like more of a well-rounded person in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. That's great advice. Thanks for sharing that. And thank you for sharing, um, with all of my questions, including the giraffe one, especially <laughs> um, on this podcast, and like I mentioned in the beginning, we're excited to have you speak at our event tonight, um, which is called Housing Solutions: What's Next. So, for you listening, I'm going to put um, this link in the description. But if you want to watch the event or see other event-related content, like another podcast episode with Housing Next, Brooke Osterman, please visit gvsu.edu/hc/housing for more info. But anyways, thanks, Shane. much for sharing.
1: Thank
0: you. Thank you for listening to Off the Stage Podcast, a series produced by the Hauenstein Center for Presidential Studies at Grand Valley State University. The Hauenstein Center, inspired by Ralph Hauenstein's life of leadership and service, is dedicated to raising a community of ethical, effective leaders for the 21st century. For more information on our center, our Cook Leadership Academy, or our Common Ground Initiative, visit our website at www.gvsu.edu/hc. To keep up with our current events and reoccurring initiatives, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, all of which can be found linked below. If you liked this episode, consider giving us a review or rating so we can be found by other podcast listeners. Again, thanks for listening to Off The Stage Podcast.